Welcome to episode three of Life After Baby. Everything you do in pregnancy that helps you and nourishes you nourishes your baby. And that is true for the whole of motherhood. It's just harder to see that connection later on. So anything you do to nourish yourself as a mother nourishes your child. Hey mummers, you're listening to the Life After Baby podcast. I'm Kate. And I'm Andy. And together we're Yoga Mamas. This podcast is your go-to for all things yoga, meditation and wellness, where we chat to influential and inspirational women who have dedicated their life's work to helping mamas and those-to-be live in flow. These are women we have connected with throughout our journey, and now we want you to be able to connect with them too, learning from their shared stories about how we as mothers can use the tools of yoga to create stillness amidst the chaos of mum life. Hi, Beck. Welcome to the show. Andy and I are very grateful that you could be here today to talk all things mindfulness for mothers. Thanks for having me, Kate and Andy. So I want to dive straight in because I know this interview is going to be packed full of tips and ideas for busy mummers on how they can reduce their stress and overwhelm through simple mindfulness and meditation practices. And Andy is going to kick us off. Hi, Beck. Andy here. So great to have you with us. How are you going? Pretty good. Thanks. A little bit nervous. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. As Kate Kate and I said, we've obviously got lots to talk about, so we'll jump straight in. Um, Look, as a meditation teacher, you provide mothers with access to simple techniques and ancient wisdom that can be applied in a fun and easy way to their modern lives. So let's kick off with one that we know is a game changer for mums who are feeling overwhelmed. Look, let's be honest, that's all of us at some time or another. So what actually is mindfulness and how can we practice it? Oh, great question to start with. So really broadly speaking, mindfulness is awareness of the present moment, open, curious, non-judgmental awareness of any given moment. So that's a pretty broad definition. Um, and I think the interesting thing about mindfulness is it can happen spontaneously, spontaneously in our lives. So when we're absorbed in a moment, maybe you're with someone that you love, you're dancing, singing, watching fireworks, or at a concert, all of those things could be spontaneous moments when you're really aware and your senses are alive and you know what's going on without thinking and judging and critiquing and analysing. We practice mindfulness when we deliberately focus on a moment, when we give it our attention, when we notice our sensations in a moment. And I like to think of that as kind of like being alert, awake and alive. So there's many practices you can do to bring that quality of aliveness awake um, and that sort of easeful alertness into your life um, and lots of them that mums can do. Yeah, I can imagine that uh, obviously for mums this is a, a huge and powerful tool um, for us to use in our lives. Yeah. I'm say a really simple thing, because I think sometimes we think just of meditation and really formal techniques, a really simple way that mums in their day-to-day could get some of that mindfulness might be um, when our kids are playing and we're nearby and we can watch them and pay attention to the sound of them playing, their movement, maybe notice our feelings in that moment, notice whether our mind's active. So it doesn't have to be a structured technique we can learn to just be more aware um, and have that kind of easeful awareness of a moment. Yeah, great. And I imagine that it's something that, gosh, it's not always the easiest thing, especially when we're tired and overwhelmed and chaotic and busy, but just starting with, like, as you say, just a small moment each day, even if it's just just slowly building a technique into our day, I can imagine that would be really beneficial. Yeah. 
Amazing. Um, look, you, f- you first discovered yoga whilst working in London. That was about more than 17 years ago. Is that correct? Yes. I had to really count it out. It, it, yeah, it's more than 17 years. <laughs> pre-kids, definitely pre-kids for me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So since this time, you've obviously um, created your own home yoga and mindfulness practice. Um, as mums, we're busy and that often means that we're not able to sort of get out to a yoga class. Could you share with us your insights on mums creating a home practice for themselves? So even even um, a bit more beyond what you've just said about taking those small moments, like how, how would they start to build their own mindfulness practice? Yeah, I think that's a really great idea, having that home practice. And like you said, I've been practicing yoga in one form or another for 17 years. Um, I have two kids now. I didn't have two kids then. So much has changed for me, but the practice can actually be applied daily in a changing life. And I think the best thing to do, particularly as a mum if you're busy, is to start really simply. If I only meditated when I had 20 minutes spare, it would be such an easy thing to skip. Or if we only did yoga when we had an hour and a half to go to a class. So I think it's taking the tools of yoga and meditation and simplifying them and saying, what if all I could do was sit for two minutes each day and breathe and notice the movement of my belly? That could be the start of a home practice. So maybe later you'll get to your 20 minutes, and I really do like to have 20 minutes, but I've got two kids at school now, so it's different for me. I've got some time in the day to myself. But if you want to start a practice, find something that you like that's really simple. Sometimes we think of yoga and meditation as possibly being a bit of a chore, like you have to do it or you have to do certain things. And there is a discipline aspect of it. Um, but for my home practice, I only do my favourites and I only do what I love. So it makes it easier to not skip it. So I don't really like backbends. They're not my favourite thing. So my home practice, my physical home practice, is more about standing postures and balancing postures because I really like that. When I go to a class, if the teacher says do a backbend, I don't get nah, it's not my favourite. But in the, in the home practice, it's simple and it's my favourites and what I really enjoy. And I think that can be um, a difficult thing when you're getting started and you don't know what you like. So start with something really simple. Yeah, I guess, yeah, if you're, if you're taking what you, you enjoy out of it, then you're looking forward to it rather than, as you say, making it something that you have to include or making it a chore. So that's, um, yeah, that's really valuable. Thank you for that. Yeah, because chores we avoid, right? Mm, absolutely. <laughs> and I try not to avoid it even though some days I really do resist my practice still. And I think that's an interesting thing after even 17 years. I know the benefits. I know how great I feel. And I can still put it off and do something else because it is difficult to sit and to be still. Mm. Do you think, Beck, that it's nice to be able to create then a little bit of ritual around it to make it um, become a really beautiful habit rather than something that we put on our to-do lists? That's a great way of describing it, a beautiful habit. Yeah, and that is what I do. Um, so I, you can meditate wherever you like, but I sit in the same spot every day. I, I, I don't go there at the same time, but it's the same spot. So I know what my chair feels like and I have beautiful things nearby. And that doesn't have to be difficult or um, it's not fresh flowers. It's just candles. I really like candles. And the table near where I practice, I always have really nice, inspiring kind of books on them. I do read them, but even if I don't get around to reading them, I feel good having them nearby. And that sounds a bit funny. Do you know what I mean? Like it's that space that says, mm. I sit here, I have a candle, I have these beautiful books. And if I do nothing else but bring myself to that space mm. and try to take time for myself, then I already feel good about it. So that I would say that's my ritual part of it. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I liked your phrase, beautiful habits. So it is a habit 
And I get to a point in the day where if I haven't sat, I go, oh, yeah, I, I notice that I haven't done it. In mm. the same way that um, if you don't drink enough water, you can feel that. Or mm. if you haven't had something to eat, you can feel like you're hungry. I, I do sense after this amount of time that I I feel like I should be practicing. Not that mm. I have to, but it's the next thing in my day. Mm. So, um, yeah, I do a bit of that without, without actually thinking about it. But I like the, how you described it. Mm, yeah, no, I love that. You recently published your first book, Mindfulness for Mothers, which both Andy and I are huge, huge fans of. I have a daily meditation practice and have for quite a number of years now. And I often use the techniques that are in your book, which are beautiful. It's a very powerful practice, isn't it? That's now being backed up by science in a way that it reshapes our brains. What do you believe it is about meditation that makes it so powerful? That's a great question. But thank you for the compliment on my book. I read, That's really kind of you to say. Um, I wrote my book for mums to use, but I always get a kick out of hearing someone say they actually do use it or they've actually read it. <laughs> so I think meditation is so powerful because it allows us to deliberately be in that natural flow of life. I was sort of saying about mindfulness when, like, if you watch fireworks or you're madly in love or you're being held or cared for by someone, that's being in the flow, that's that present moment of awareness. And to think that we have a way of deliberately seeking that kind of awareness when it's not available spontaneously, I think that's the power of it, Mm. that given everything going well, the way our brains are operating and the way our hormones are and the way our breathing is, that's that's that natural awareness. That's how we would be if we weren't stressed. Mm. So meditation says this is how you would be if you were madly in love watching fireworks, being held and cared for and you had nothing else to do and everything was going well. The, the moments of that you get in meditation, I think if you can deliberately seek that for yourself, you go, okay, so that's why it feels like a magic trick. How Mm. how can I access this all the time? And I don't think we can be in that meditative state all the time. I think that is part of life, that Mm. we get to the flow, we enjoy something, something happens and we get derailed and we're no longer in that calm sense. And that happens in meditation. Your focus is great, your breath's flowing, and then you get distracted. But then we come back and do it again. And I think that's where meditation is powerful. The actual process of meditation is very much like the process of how we apply mindfulness in our lives. Everything's going well and then something goes wrong. That's not the end of it. We have the techniques and the tools to bring ourselves back to that sense of I'm not stressed in this moment. My breathing is calm in this moment. Everything is going well in this moment. And then it's not, but we can come back. And I think that's the power of it. Do you think, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I think as mums, we all have experienced the joy and the heartache that motherhood and life in general can bring. Can you describe how you use meditation and its power or magic as you described, which I love and completely um, align with? How do you use meditation during the difficult times? Yeah, meditation can be so helpful in difficult times. But sometimes I feel like um, you have to be really gentle with yourself. Like if your heart is broken or bruised for a reason and then you do a heart opening practice or an awareness practice, you can that can almost hurt like an injury. Like you mm. wouldn't stretch your arms overhead if you had sore shoulders. I think sometimes meditation can be such a powerful practice that we have to be gentle with ourselves when we aren't um, doing really well in our lives emotionally or for another reason. So I would say really simple practices like a breathing technique can be great Mm -hmm. um even just three breaths to get you out of your head when people are grieving i like to suggest like if in really deep 
emotional pain. But sometimes, funnily enough, it's the body-based practices that can be really useful, like a body mm. scan, or, or scan or a grounding practice. Because you can be really in your head when things are going wrong for you emotionally. Mm. And a body practice says, hey, look, here, here are my hands. Here's what my hands feel like. It's not they feel good or bad, but this is how my body feels in this moment. This is the tightness in my shoulders. This is the weight of my body supported in the chair. And just that coming to your physical sense when emotionally things aren't great for you, I find that a very powerful practice and a very... Um, a more gentle practice than being really upset and trying to do a loving kindness meditation, for example. I you see what I mean by the, the sort of different tools for different times. Absolutely. I agree completely. And this all ties into, I guess, that idea of self-care. I mean, that's that's kind of a buzzword around at the moment, isn't it? Um, but we yeah, love, I love it. <laughs> it's <laughs> so do we. It's great. But it's, I love it when things that I've been loving for years, everyone goes, oh, it's the buzz. I like oh. mindfulness meditation. When you're long-term hey look at this new thing you go fantastic tell me all about it <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah we're, we're jumping all over well, have been for a while so we're right with you there um but we also love that you believe like us that it's non-negotiable that it's sort of you know I, I particularly resonate with the fact that it's not a luxury it's a necessity and I know you've sort of touched on this um in talking about the meditation before about having little parts of it in your day but it's mm. often difficult for us as mums to prioritise ourselves, isn't it? Like we often think that, you know, if we do this, we're putting our children second or we've got a huge list of things to do so we put ourselves at the bottom. But it's actually not the case. Like if you had, you know, a particular physical injury, you wouldn't ignore it. So, um, you know, all these sort of different things that the meditation, the mindfulness, this these self-care practices are actually really important for our day. Um, and they actually make us feel nourished and less stressed and uh, we become better for our kids, I think, in the end. I mean, have you got anything to add to that? Share your thoughts on what, you know, self-care. Like you just said that you've been, it's been sort of forefront for you for so long. So what is it about it? How does that work in with the mindfulness and the meditation? What is self-care for a mama? Yeah, I think that, I think um, what you what you guys do is great and I love I love the language that you use around self-care, um, how we talk about it as nourishing, because that's a fantastic word. It's not like it's, if, you, if your self-care is getting your nails painted, that's great. But the, the real nourishment is doing things that we know feel good to us, be that spending time by ourselves, spending time with loved ones, just taking time to drink that cup of tea rather than have a cold later on. Mm. So I, I really like the way you present that. For me, one of the ways of describing self-care for mothers that I've found really powerful is that um, a lot of women in pregnancy get very good at taking care of themselves. They know um, if they eat certain foods that it's good for the baby. You know that if you rest in pregnancy that the baby gets the rest. If you meditate and do yoga during pregnancy, I think it's fairly widely accepted that all those benefits flow onto your baby. So what I say to my prenatal students is everything you do in pregnancy that helps you and nourishes you, nourishes your baby. And that is true for the whole of motherhood. It's just harder to see that connection later on. So anything you do to nourish yourself as a mother nourishes your child in the, in the same way, but it's a delayed reaction. So the mother in pregnancy eating good food, no one goes, mm, I think she takes all that for herself and passes none on to the child. We don't think like that. So I say take that analogy and do it for the rest of motherhood. A mother who pursues the things in her life that make her heart sing, that make her come home when she sees her children and give them a hug and say, I've missed you. 
I love you, I care for you, these these things. So when she's doing the thing for herself, the kid may not be there, but the benefits do, I think, apply directly to the children. And if we can see that in our daily routines, then we can take those bigger steps of making sure that in our lives we have careers and interests other than our children or ways of being in the world that don't involve them. And then they benefit from that. So I think that's my analogy. What's good for the mother is good for the baby. And um, you can apply it the same way you do during pregnancy. Does this nourish me? Yes. And then the answer is it is good for your child. Yeah, that's that's actually really powerful. I am, I'm obviously like pregnant with my third. So, I'm, you know, I've got that kind of pregnant mentality. But you're right. You tend to switch it off a bit once the baby yeah. is outside of you. And you think, okay, now it's about the baby. Yeah, I don't know why we do that and I'm not judging yeah. that I definitely did the same thing I thought right now that my baby's born I need to do things that are directly for the baby and that's it is true I did need to do those things but as well as taking care of myself not instead of and I think it's where we trade it off and go it's instead of taking care of ourselves that, we, that we're taking care of the baby yeah. I think that's the point where we miss miss what's best for all of us it's hard on a daily basis. i'm not suggesting it's easy don't get me wrong <laughs> but i know and i believe quite firmly that that's how it works so whenever i do those things for myself i'm i don't think i'm a bad mother i think good on you <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you. your kids lucky to have someone who takes care of themselves not just yes. in their lives now but as their role model yes. imagine if our kids grew up to be like us and that wouldn't be a good thing Imagine that. <laughs> I yeah. hope you grow up to be not like me. We don't say that to our children. We want we want to role model and live our lives the way we'd be happy to say, hey, look at you. Look how great your life is to our own children. Yeah. No, that's so true. Uh, look, okay, let's talk specifics then. You you recite a morning mantra for one of your from one of your favourite spiritual teachers. Can you share with us what that is and how you use that as part of your morning routine? Oh, of course I can. <laughs> I'll turn my meditation for <laughs> something. I love this mantra. I was thinking about this this morning, actually. And it goes like this. It's from Chich Nhat Hanh. Waking up this morning, I smile. 24 brand new hours lie before me. I vow to live fully in each moment and look on all beings, including myself, with eyes of compassion. And that's it. I just got goosebumps then. I love that. Yeah. I I learned this about uh, 11 years ago when I was doing my teacher training and we were kind of assigned it as a task to say it every morning. To start with, you used to say it aloud. That's how you sort of get into it. Now I say it silently. If one of the kids is in the room with me, sometimes I say it aloud. You know, when you wake up and there's kids in your bed, you think, right, I'm still going to do my day. Here's how it goes. And then they all giggle. Um, And I, I did it daily for about five years and then I stopped. A few things happened and life got a bit chaotic and two years ago I went back to it and I thought, wow, I just like everything about this as a as a saying. And when I say it, I do smile. So literally every morning I say to myself, I'm smiling and I do. And it, I think that even that alone, if I didn't do the rest of it, it's a really nice way to start the day. And sometimes I stay up with a bit of a stomp because I'm really not happy to be up. But I still say it, do you know what I mean? Like waking up this morning, oh, there's people in my bed and there's stuff going on. Um, and I like the idea that you get 24 hours every day. Mm. Like sometimes we have this phrase, you know, I'm time poor, I don't have any time. Well, actually you do. And then the way you really enjoy that is you live in each of the moments. And, um, yeah, I just like the idea of looking on everyone, including on looking on yourself with eyes of compassion. You know, what's going on for them? What's going on for me? Not who's in my way, who's parked in my spot. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a beautiful, yeah, 
simple practice as well. Mm -hmm. Any of us can do it regardless of how time poor you are. Yeah. And I think if you want to put something in your day, we talk, you talked about a beautiful habit, try to be really specific about what habit you're going to attach your practice to or where you're going to fit it in your day. So I, I start my, I say the word waking when my two feet touch the floor. Like that's it. I stand up, waking up this morning, that's my two feet on the floor. And then if, if I'm on holidays or if I'm somewhere else and I go to get out of bed, the motion of me putting my feet on my, the floor, even if it's a different room, is usually enough to trigger me to say the rest of the mantra it usually is enough for me to remember it because I don't do it as I'm lying down or after I sit up I just I've got the timing of my feet hitting the floor with that first word and then I just stretch my arms overhead I like to do a breathing practice in the morning as well and I did one this morning just that sort of um hands on the belly and the belly breath I really like that. Kids are really good at learning that too. So you just put your hands on your belly. And as you inhale, you notice that your hands move up and down. Mm. So you don't really have to do much except notice. And, again, it's just that awareness. Mm. We're always breathing. Just notice that we're breathing. It's powerful and simple, right? Mm. I do that yeah. belly one with my two-and-a-half-year-old, Kobe. Um, but we have a little... Uh, like a little duck or a little toy or something that we pop onto his belly and as he breathes in and out and he sees the little toy rise and fall so that's a really nice oh, I like that. that's, that's a really good. nice one for yeah. kids too yeah it's nice yeah i've done that i've done that um the the rubber ducky one as well kate where you, you do and that, that's actually a really good focusing one for the kids as well because mm. really as you get them to lie down put the duck on your belly and say that's a little pond and if you giggle and move it'll fly away but if you just be nice and calm, it'll stay there. <laughs> I like that. I like that too. I mean, let's be honest, when you're doing it with very small children like toddlers, they're probably going to sit there for about 10 seconds. But you know what? 10 yeah. seconds is a beautiful way to start. <laughs> In the day of a two-and-a-half-year-old, 10 seconds is giving you a lot of their time. That's a right? lot they're of time. That is that. a lot of time for them. But they're getting the idea. I think that's the important part is that they, they understand what, um, what's happening that it's time to sit still whether it's two seconds or 10 minutes I don't think that particularly is that relevant what's your go-to practice for time poor mummers understanding I mean we, we we all know that there are hundreds if not thousands of various practices that we could be doing what's your go-to for time poor mums my go-to and you, you'll have seen this all over my insta feed i teach this at every workshop it's a, a three breath mantra and it's it's be here now so as you inhale you say to yourself be and then you pause and as you exhale you say to yourself here and in the pause after the exhale you drop the word now like in that stillness and you do that three times and the beauty of this practice is three breaths is pretty pretty short it's really easy to remember a phrase and sometimes breath awareness can be difficult if you don't attach a word to it. Sometimes if you say to someone, notice your inhale, notice your exhale, they're sort of like, what's going on? What am I noticing? And, and the practice is gone. But if you have a word attached and that sense of a pause after the inhale and the pause after the exhale, um, I, I find that's a really useful one. And it's not a be happy, be calm, be anything. It's just be here. Mm. So you can use that if someone is talking to you and um, they're telling you something difficult that's going on in their life and your friend's telling you this thing and maybe you want to try and fix her or comfort her, but really what she might need is for you just to be with her. Mm. So this, you could be saying this to yourself, just three breaths of that and then, and then listen and then just stay. A more difficult time to use this little go-to would be when your kid's having a meltdown, but it's only three breaths. You're standing watching it anyway. If you do that for three breaths, then maybe... 
you can notice what's required of me in this moment. I'm really, really agitated by this meltdown or I'm upset or I'm embarrassed because we're in public. But if you just take those three breaths, it'll take less than 20 seconds, you know. Mm. How, how, how simple is that if 20 seconds? It doesn't solve everything, but it gets you more present. And from there you can go, right, actually I need to pick this kid up. And I've done this before. Put him over my shoulder and fireman hold carry him out of the shopping centre because that's all I've got right now. I've done mm. that mm-hmm. once, only once. But that's what I needed to do. But the few breaths go right. Otherwise, I could have stood there for five minutes and waited for it to finish. And it's not what's the solution. It's can I be here? Can I be with this difficult moment? Or can I be the same if you're at a kid's concert? You can also just use it to be in the, the happy moment as well That rather than rushing off and planning their stage career or posting about it on Facebook. Can you be be in the moment? Three breaths, here's your mantra. Mm. I think it's worth a try. Mm, I love that. And I really like the way that you've just referred to it, being able to use it in the good times as well because we do sometimes get caught up in talking about you know how as mums we're time poor we're overwhelmed you know etc etc but there are so many moments of bliss as well that sometimes do just pass us by and it's beautiful that's a beautiful practice actually to not only use in times of stress and overwhelm but also to use in those times of bliss to really absorb that moment yeah the fleetingness of it i think um I know both of you, your kids are younger than mine, but my children are 12 and 7 now and I'm having a lot of moments at the moment where I'm like, oh, be here, be with this. Look what they can do. Mm. Look what they've become. It's here. It's not five years' time when they can drive and do other things and it's not how many years ago when they were two. It's actually right here. This is the moment, the only moment I can access my connection with them. Mm. But it's easy with kids they get older to be thinking about when they were smaller or planning ahead. Mm. So I think, yeah, there's a an element of that mantra that says be with the fleeting moment, the mm. good fleeting moments. Mm. Yeah, I think we can do the same thing when they're little, can't we? Like we can sort of, oh, I wish they would just get to a stage where they would listen to me or they would eat their vegetables. And, <laughs> you know, as much as their chaos is raining, you sort of go, no, 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 there are some beautiful moments about them being a crazy two-year-old. Just mm. be here. <laughs> yeah, enjoy be here. it. Yeah. Let's wrap up. If you had to describe life after baby in a single word, what would that be? I had to think long and hard about this one. I've got a fancy word. I've got Ooh. serendipity. Oh. So it's like a really fancy way of saying fluke, happy <laughs> accident, lucky coincidence. Because I feel like that's what motherhood and this whole motherhood journey has been for me. It keeps surprising me mm. and it keeps bringing out the best in me, but not in the ways I imagined and not in the ways I planned. It's got that sense of <laughs> it happens mm. by chance, but it always happens in a good way eventually. Mm. So I've gone with serendipity. Mm, that's beautiful it's one of my favorite questions to ask thank you so much for joining us beck that has been amazing so many tips and ideas and suggestions and inspiration for mums who either already have a mindfulness meditation practice and are looking to add to that or create some variety and also for those who do not there's heaps of tips in there to get started so thank you so much again we're very very grateful that you were able to join us today on the podcast and um, hopefully we'll have lots more opportunities to collab into the future. Oh, thank you so much, Kate and Andy, for having me. I really love what you guys are doing and putting out in the world and I'm really honoured to be included in your circle of mamas. Well, there you have it, mamas. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Life After Baby. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we loved creating it. 
We release one podcast per month that you can access via iTunes, SoundCloud, and the Yoga Mamas website. Simply head to yogamamas.com.au forward slash podcast to access this and future episodes, as well as each guest's answers to how they incorporate yoga into mum life. I'm Kate, joined by Andy, and this has been Life After Baby.